complicated and fascinating world that invites us to dive deep into its intricacies. Exploring the ideas and events that excite, intrigue, irritate, and confound us is how we graduate our knowledge beyond meme culture. Join us over a cocktail as we expand our understanding and share in the beauty we find along the way. I'm Stephen Torna. I'm Kat Dwyer. And I'm Stephen Henning. Welcome to the Whiskey Bench. Welcome, everyone. We need to start tonight by having a few sips of a delicious cocktail and hopefully some scotch. Definitely some scotch. Heck yeah. Tonight, Kat and I are drinking a cocktail by the name of a cherry cobbler. Frankly, I actually have no idea the history of it, uh, where it originates from. I just didn't have time to look up history. <laughs> but the, the reason why is we wanted a cocktail that would tie in well with the title of this episode. We're just going for the alliteration is what we're going We're just going for, for the alliteration. That's exactly. <laughs> so tonight we present... The Cherry Cobbler, and Capital C Chaos. Boom. And I think that's a pretty concise um, summary of what we'll be talking about tonight. Mm -hmm. But I will say, this drink is really tasty. Yeah, I think the name is quite misleading. Yeah, I did see some recipes that like called for cinnamon and things that probably would put it more in the sphere of trying to mimic an actual Cherry Cobbler. Mm Mm-hmm. This kind of tastes like, you said tea, it's like a tea spritzer almost. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But it's yeah, you really, could, like, it's on like, a hot summer day, yeah. you get down this thing. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, what's in there is two ounces of gin. Oh, that's why I like it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the color made me think it was... Oh, classic. Whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. So, I was like, I know Kat didn't want any gin last week, but I was like, a whole week of gin recovery, she's back in it. I'm so. back. <laughs> That's very thoughtful of of you. We have half an ounce of some cherry brandy, then a quarter ounce of uh, creme de cassis. It's like a blackberry liqueur, I think. Um, And then a little simple syrup, a little bit of lemon juice, just a a quarter ounce. And then you garnish it off with a lemon slice, nice big sprig of mint, and a uh, Luxardo cherry. And then I topped it off with club soda. Mm. It's a little bubbly, a little bit of cherry, blackberry, lemon. It's way summery, and it just snowed like, you know, three to eight inches of snow, depending where you are in the valley, (laughs) yesterday. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we finally got a good dumping. I got, well, you did. I got nothing. It rained. I was looking at the radar, and it looks like it was snowing in Bozeman. In Billings. I mean, Billings, yeah. Yeah. It looked like it was, it was, but I guess not. I got rain. Yeah, it was just, it was just wet this morning. Wet and Mm. frozen. So that was Mm, more annoying. That's nice. But (laughs) I mean, uh, of all the things to wake up to, this is definitely not the worst. That is true. Yeah. Today it's been foggy all day. On your side of town. On my Uh, side of town. No, on your side it's fun. Beautiful. Oh man. Super sunny. Then there's just this thick wall of fog. Oh, I've just been stuck in it all day. And when I did leave today, I was towards Belgrade doing Mm. some work. So (laughs) 
lovely yeah <laughs> fog i'm sitting there like an old man i'm like why don't all these people turn their damn lights on when it's foggy <laughs> yeah. can't see anyone no one's got their lights on <laughs> and henning do you have your trusty sidekick with you tonight oh i absolutely do a generous <laughs> pour of lagavulin 16 today fam because Good. like i said i really do feel like this conversation is probably one that needs a little bit of pregame to get it into uh where where should we start i don't even know where we should start i have a thought <laughs> sure fire let's where, where do we want to start take us well, there just when we were we were discussing what to talk about on mm-hmm. this episode about a week ago and henning sent us a text in our group thread and he said some really smart people i talk or hear and listen to and talk with think that america is not going to be the same after wednesday and you and I, Torna, and most conventional wisdom in the punditry world, we're all thinking, you know, there's no way they can actually change the electoral vote count. Right. It's just some ceremonial statement that these Republicans that are, you know, rejecting it, it, it doesn't actually mean anything and that of was, real consequence. And that's true. That's my, that was my perception of their statements. That was my understanding of all of the context that was leading up to it, that they have a constitutional right to object and they would present it but it wouldn't lead to anything yeah that's i mean and pence does not as he said does not have a constitutional right or duty to do anything other than read what the electors said right yeah correct usually Um, this day is very ceremonial usually right yeah usually it just goes by unrecognized so when Henning proposed that, we both sort of poo-pooed it and said, like, no, you know, that's right. all a bunch of bluster. It does, it's going to be, it's going to go the way it always does. Mm-hmm. The, and the then the Capitol text. got invaded. <laughs> right, no. which is interesting. And I had texted, I think, Monday. So you're right, Henning. <laughs> yeah. And Monday, I was like, hey, we definitely need to talk about what's going to happen on the 6th. Right. Because I thought it was right. going to be interesting. Yeah. I knew that there was going to be a big demonstration. Right. Um, right. Which there was. There was a ton of protesters. Yeah. In um, DC the, and the writers. verbatim text that I offered that day was y'all think the world is changing tomorrow. I follow some interesting people who think America oh. won't be America tomorrow. So I'm not yeah. right. We're still America. We still, we're still, this. We're yeah. still yeah. America, but different. well, I think, and we'll get into the specifics of this, I think in another mm-hmm. episode, but this is ushering in a wave already right. of sort of an attack on civil liberties similar to what we saw after 9-11 mm-hmm. but that's we'll talk about the aftermath later yes. i think tonight we just want to talk about the events so i want to real quick run through maybe how we can break up this conversation because mm-hmm. it's a big conversation and there's a fairly wide spectrum of opinions on this right now so i think tonight we'll probably just talk about the actual events what else do we want to discuss tonight i had some thoughts on sort of like the two different ways these events are being interpreted. I think that's smart. Kind of the basis of of what's developed and what happened and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And then also sort of. I've had some interesting conversations with friends who um, fall like basically on the completely opposite side of um, the political spectrum than than where I sit. And mm-hmm. the way that the distinction that they're making between what happened on Capitol Hill mm-hmm. and what happened across major cities all summer mm-hmm. is really interesting. Yep, I agree. That's something that I want to talk touch base on. Yeah, and then the classification of what is terrorism, I too think yes, could be interesting. Yes, I think is important. And I think this probably will end up being maybe a next week or even the week after discussion 
I think we need to talk about what led to this inconsistency in whatever it is, media, how Democrats and Republicans played into this, um, and then obviously where fault lies truly, and then where fault potentially doesn't lie in this whole discussion. Mm-hmm. And then we'll probably want to talk about where this could lead, maybe some theory crafting on what, what this will lead to or could lead to, or what this has given ammunition for policymakers and the incoming cabinet to use to promote their agenda. It sounds like a good framework. Okay. So today, it's Friday, January 8th. So we're recording two days after the whole Capitol event actually happened. I think everyone has a pretty good idea of what was going on. The world has a pretty good idea of, (laughs) well, I would say no one has a good idea of what's going on, but we've all seen it. We've seen how it's been portrayed, whatever. I haven't had a ton of time to actually dive into this so far between, of course, of course it had to be the two days I was back to work that this all happened, but I, I probably have about four hours to five hours of digging in and just watching raw footage and reading articles from various. I read some articles from the Los Angeles Times today, which I've never done. So it's been <laughs> kind of fun to kind of dig out and be like, oh, let's, I would never read the LA Times, but hey, they got an article about it, so why not? Mm-hmm. So. It's been good for me to even widen my uh, perspective even further. Heck, I read a BuzzFeed article today that was talking about this. <laughs> wow. There you go. So I was like, you know what? I really got to get a wide yeah. spectrum of what's happening because there's a uh, lot of gobbledygook, gobbledygook going around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I could not find any accurate numbers. Something like 300 people broke into the Capitol. Yeah, I haven't been able to get yeah, any accurate no on the total count of people who uh, broke in. Right now, something like 300 people broke into the Capitol. They destroyed property. They stole property. They injured people. Mm-hmm. So that's awful. 68 people have been arrested so far. Uh, I read just a little bit ago 82. Okay, good. So As more. of 1230 p.m. today that was from 68 this morning so yeah okay that's good so 82 so far um i think they're going to continue to have arrests come in yeah something just real quick point out hypocrisy literally like within hours of this happening outrage all over like oh my god how how is that no one's been arrested yet you know this is blah 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 blah, the worst this is a right obvious example of bias and of course i thought no they're going to start arresting people but it takes time in a situation where you have 300 people breaking into the Capitol building. Deadly force was used against the rioters and innocent people's lives were potentially at risk or were at risk. Your priority is not to arrest people. It's to deal with the people in danger and to get those people out of the building. So arrests followed after, which I assumed would happen. So within 24 hours, within 48 hours now, there are 82. I guarantee they're going to keep finding people and arresting them and mm-hmm. they're going to at least all get one like felon charge multiple one guy just got arrested today the guy that took the picture in nancy pelosi's seat mm. he got booked for three felons good great one woman fatally shot yep um and then uh one of the capitol hill police officers ended up passing away yeah mm-hmm. died today and then 10 police officers injured and 
I think I, more than 10. I've more heard than 10? it's like okay. closer to 30. And last I saw, this was yesterday, uh, so Thursday the 7th, three other, not confirmed yet whether they were protesters outside or actual rioters, mm-hmm. there's a distinction, were not killed but died. And I think they were medically related. I don't know if it was from like a physical altercation, like some sort of violence, or it just happened to be someone had a heart attack, something like that. I don't have details on that. Mm. So one person shot inside the Capitol who yep. died, and then three other um, civilians that passed away in D.C. during and, the so And one of the officers. No clear. So like a death count uh, yes. of five right, yeah. so far. Yes, yep. so far. Yeah. And then injuries and everything like that. Right. So that's... I mean, that's kind of what I understand. Mm-hmm. I know people were saying like, oh, why aren't they gassing protesters? I know they did deploy tear gas yeah, in the did. Capitol. There's, there's footage of yep. that. Yeah. Uh, rubber bullets, I think. Mm-hmm. And then obviously deadly force. Um, someone did fire, I believe it was a handgun. Yeah. Those are the only details that I've been able to kind of like be able to say, I think this is, yeah. this is accurate. Mm-hmm. How many people were in D.C. to protest? I haven't found a definitive number yet but from everything i can see it was at least five hundred thousand people present directly protesting outside or five hundred thousand five hundred thousand wow that's much larger than i thought yeah pretty much anyone reputable is saying at least hundreds of thousands Hmm. but they're comparing it to like women's march and some other major events with Hmm. aerial photos and they're projecting like five hundred thousand so far this is not confirmed Hmm. but yeah that gives you a scale of the amount of people that were in dc right and then we still don't know how many people actually entered. Uh, what are some misconceptions that we can probably shoot down? Uh, we've got a lot of people right now saying that it was Antifa that organized it. I find that to be so obnoxious. It's obnoxious. It's very much not true. However, CNN just like a couple hours ago posted a story and said that there's no evidence that any members of Antifa were present. That's false. There's at least one confirmed member of Antifa that did enter the Capitol. Hmm. He says... That he was there for journalism, but he's been imprisoned for orchestrating violent crimes. In my Here's view, Antifa was present, at least for going into the Capitol. They did not orchestrate it or were leading it. I yeah, I my like initial thought when people make that claim is, I find it just as sort of laughable and far fetched and frustrating as when mm-hmm. people tried to blame the riots from that were perpetrated at the hands of Antifa and BLM this summer on Trump supporters. Yeah. It's, I mean, I think the one thing we can all agree on and what both this, our experience this summer and our experience on Wednesday demonstrates that like the idea that a mob can, can that people feel like they have to resort to this mob mentality and to violence to be heard mm-hmm. is that's somehow becoming the norm. Yes. And that's terrifying. And this is why we need to have a discussion about what's leading up to it, because a lot of left-wing media are like, oh, we're so surprised, like, we're shocked, and this is outrageous, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I'm not shocked, and it's outrageous, but not in, like, a hard-to-fathom sense. It's just like, this is the president that has been set. Yeah. That violence is a legitimate form of protest. Yeah. And there is a distinction. Which, absolutely, there's a distinction. Right. And I've been talking about this very thing with, with my buddy who's mm-hmm. sort of on the other end of the, the political spectrum than me. And, and when we talked about the violence and the riots and the protesting over the summer, her thoughts were, 
it's that resorting to that extreme is the only way to have their voices heard. Mm -hmm. She was sympathetic with the BLM movement. And she said, you know, that's she even said the Women's March did nothing that accomplished nothing. Peaceful protesting doesn't get us anywhere. And we have to resort to burning down the system. Those are her words. Mm -hmm. Which I disagreed with. And in this instance, and, it, and you know, it wasn't as if she just sort of like naively was being blatantly hypocritical about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just because she doesn't like Trump, she doesn't think it's a valid form of protest. But but for her, there there was some sort of distinction between entering like the Capitol and burning down private businesses, mm -hmm. which then I guess we didn't really get into like, well, where does she stand on sort of federal buildings being right. occupied over the summer so we right. didn't touch upon that but i heard someone say that what we saw on january 6th at the capitol was essentially the the q anon corner of the internet incarnate mm -hmm. what do you think about that <laughs> maybe like the actual people that entered the capitol i would say that those are like as extremist as you can be so like to me 300 people entering the Capitol is like as, you know, extreme whatever as you can be right-leaning and assaulting mm -hmm. the federal courthouse in Portland for three months is, ex is as extreme like left as you can be, mm -hmm. right? So you've got these fringe things that it's not that many people. The argument for all of this summer was 93% of the protests were peaceful and right. there was 20 million people that demonstrated. 7% of 20 million people is a lot of violence. And then you look at potentially 500,000, who knows, upwards of however many people, and 300-ish people engaged in, in extreme violence. What is that? Like 99.9% .9 peaceful? Like, I don't think that that is a fair metric to determine justifying something. Mm. If you have, it's like violence is violence. I mean, yeah. I mean, it doesn't strike me as a compelling thing to like compare the numbers and say which one was actually worse either. You know, it's like it's not a mm -hmm. it's not right, a good exactly. justification to ignore it either. You know, no, um, exactly. So essentially to boil things down, we had we had protesters on the mall that were at the White House first, marched mm -hmm. themselves down to the Capitol, protesting the results of the Electoral College votes. Correct. Fair so far. And essentially, they were there to, as far as I've, I've heard and read of the people who were not interested in inciting violence or actually storming or destroying property, like they were, they were there to support the movement of the senators and the members of the House that were ready to like debate and protest some specific yes. key states in the Electoral College. Which is, was it 112 total? Like eight senators and the rest Congress people? Six From senators house, yeah. and 121 yeah. oh, House members. Oh, more than I thought. Okay, mm -hmm. so some kind of 127. It, I, I, it was going to be more senators, but after mm -hmm. the show of violence and after they were ushered out into like the, their safe underground tunnels and, and all that, along mm -hmm. with everyone else occupying the chambers, like the journalists and whatnot, uh, like a lot more senators were ready to do that including our very own senator steve danes so but right. when they came back to the vote after the capital had been reclaimed for lack of a better word only six right stuck to those guns 
And maybe that's a bad turn of phrase to use there, but you get what I mean. (laughs) I do. I understand. Okay. So something I've been meaning to ask you guys and talk Mm -hmm. about is essentially like what got us here, what got all these people to DC, what got us to senators feeling the need to question the election results to begin with. And I so far am regrettably uninformed. Like it it came to January 6th, 6th and I was like, oh shit, there's a lot more people that actually think this is true. I just kind of had written it off mm-hmm. until then. So would you explain to me what evidence some people think is out there to suggest that the election was stolen or that it was wholesale like a robbery from from Trump? I think most of the congressmen and women that were willing to object and debate the Electoral College results Mm -hmm. in most of the statements that they've made, they I don't think any of them argued that there was actual evidence that the election was stolen or that there was wide enough, you know, and rampant enough fraud to to reach sort of the totals that they would need to to actually overturn the results. Sure. I think what they were what made them comfortable with being willing to sort of go out on a ledge with this was that we've talked about this before in certain key swing states ahead of the election activists pushed to have election laws changed under the guise of like covid and in pennsylvania for example Mm -hmm. they didn't require signature verification you could turn in your ballot up to three days after election day Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. It made it easier for ballot harvesting. So I think there were, and are legitimate concerns. Concerns, and there's, and there are certainly things, which this whole fiasco has probably thrown that idea out the window. But we should be concerned about keeping these changes in place going forward. It does uh, weaken the integrity of our election system. Right. Oh, However, wait. Okay. I've, wait. Hold on. So what you're saying is, we don't let me put words in your mouth, but what you're saying is like whatever changes we adopted to accommodate for the pandemic, as far as like voting locations or absentee or mail in, you're saying like any change we implemented now, we should make sure is like continues to be implemented just so we like, have we established a baseline? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that we should not continue with the changes that were made because mm-hmm. those changes were rushed in. Oh, and I okay. believe some of them were unconstitutional. They okay, were. So like yes, the a lot of them in Pennsylvania, for example, for Pennsylvania, for example, they were the changes were basically the state legislature who's charged with making the election laws in that state was completely usurped. Mm-hmm. And essentially, Democrat activists pushed and had, went through litigation to have these changes made. And that happened in key swing states. Arizona is mm-hmm. another example. And that's another mm-hmm. state that they contested the results mm-hmm. of. Right. However, I think Georgia even had some stuff going Georgia on. Georgia as well. Mm-hmm. However, Trump and his team had months mm-hmm. to go through the proper legal channel to try to find fraud. They did not find enough to actually overturn the election results. Mm hmm. Frankly, in my opinion, if conservatives were concerned about the changes being made, they should have addressed it before the election, mm-hmm. not in the final hour when the election's already been called. I think that the congressmen and women who t- signed up for this, I think 
they thought it was a a well calculated political risk and they were catering to the loud minority on the right of Trumpians and they thought that I think they're thinking to 2022 if they're up for re-election then or they're thinking to 2024 if they want to run for president and they are trying to ride the coattails of Trump and sort of scoop up that part of his base. Mm-hmm. I thought I think they thought that it was it was going to help them when right. they go for re-election or run for a different office. None of them thought and subsequently their statements since the chaos as they're mm-hmm. trying to sort of backtrack it. None of them thought they knew that standing up and and debating it for several hours wasn't going to change the results. They knew that. It was signaling. This was a political stunt. It was a, right. it was it was just a cheap, dirty political stunt and none of them realized how far it could go or mm-hmm. the consequences it would have. Mm-hmm. Right. And what they've done and what Trump has done in my opinion is completely squandered any coattails that he had in the last election mm-hmm. and They've like they've given the the Republican Party a really hard challenge and they've dug a big hole that they're going to have to dig out of. And I'll just say, like, I in preparing for this before Wednesday, before the chaos happened, mm-hmm. I, I had I had typed down a thought that the two consequences of the election corruption charade would be the Georgia runoff mm-hmm. and dividing the GOP and thereby squandering Trump's coattails. Mm-hmm. And look what happened. Yeah. They fucking lost the Georgia runoff or they lost. I shouldn't say, why do I say we? I'm, I'm a libertarian. But anyway, yeah. they <laughs> lost. I wanted a divided government. Yeah. So I was bummed that we're not going to have a divided <laughs> government anymore. You definitely but they lost the Georgia that. runoff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, they lost that. And then which like they shouldn't have lost, you know, and and now the D- GOP, it's like I really thought. I was hoping they'd, you know, try to come together and mm-hmm. reform the party. And, and maybe this is like the painful transition they have to go through to actually reform the party in a meaningful way. But mm. yeah, I mean, it's a hmm. they've they've shot themselves in both feet, I think. Yeah, totally. And I think. Do you think do you really think it didn't occur to these senators that ended up choosing not to debate uh, just in kind of I mean, they were rattled, right? The The Senate chamber was actually occupied for a while so they they were rattled by mm-hmm. a moment of violence and now uh, even like steve danes again we're going to choose our montana senator because that's that's what we can do is like he i don't know he had did he really not know that what he was trying to symbolically say through his statements and saying he was signing on with a bunch of senators to protest the electoral college results like do you think they really didn't know that some of it would have contributed to like really firing people up just outside the doors? I don't think they expected it because the the Trump protesters hadn't taken it this far. They hadn't gotten violent yet. So I don't I don't think they expected that mm-hmm. to happen. Right. Which hmm. is naive obviously, but I really don't right. think they expected it. Wow. So what do you think it says then? I don't know. I think I think there's on one side of the thing there there's an angle to like, you know, Steve Danes did the right thing by recognizing like, oh, shit, I might have contributed to this by I don't want to say perpetuating like a conspiracy theory because maybe there's compelling evidence enough. And it sounds like there might be in specific states, but it always gets blown up into like there's this 
underground, like dark government cabal that like engineered the whole thing. And just, you descend into like wild, crazy conspiracy territory. And this is why QAnon Mm -hmm. like comes up during this conversation. So like, what do you think it says about the senators who actually came back after they got evacuated and they still decided to debate and protest Pennsylvania, if anything, if, if it says anything about them, because like there are the senators who came back and still, and stuck to that narrative and stuck to that. Mm -hmm. But have they, I feels like they really shot themselves in the foot by, by doing that. I kind of think they just probably felt like they went too far out on a ledge and they couldn't come back. Right, potentially. Right? I, don't right. I don't know. So like yeah. Ted Cruz, that, the calculus or... in his mind, he's yeah. like, I've said it all, so I might as well just actually do it again. Because otherwise you come across like... Sure. I don't, that, that's the other side of someone like our Senator Danes going and like releasing this big statement about how he was going to join a bunch of senators and protesting the Electoral College. And he comes back and he's like, no, this is, this is not the place to do it. I recognize that it was all symbolic. But now... Like, so there's, there's a, a way of reading that as being like, you coward, you know, but totally. Uh, <laughs> but, but on the other side, it's like Ted Cruz goes and does it. And he's like, I really like, at least you're consistent. I still think you're wrong, but like, at least you're consistent. I think both just makes them both responses make both just look like so just cheap, dirty politicians. Republicans frankly. overall just came out with a big double loss on that one. Like, no matter how you came yeah. out of that <laughs> session, right. you as a senator, like, if you were a Republican, been, it kind of you just kind of came down to consistent. <laughs> right, Rand Paul, <laughs> mm. the Libertarians, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Justin Amash when yeah. he was still Rand there. Paul. Yeah, that's it. Marco Rubio has been pretty good. He gave a great speech he in did. the aftermath. I appreciated it a lot. I'm not like a big fan of his, but I liked what he had to say. Yeah. uh, It was nice to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what's interesting is with this, it's just, it's something that seems to happen with people that are not liberty minded. They have no issue with big government. Mm -hmm. And so you have the left who worship is that worships big government. And you have, I should say, a, 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 you know, Part of the left that worships big government. You have part of the right that's worshiping big government. And I don't even know if they realize that like their worship of Trump and going to the executive branch to try to contest this is just worship of big government, which I think a lot of them be like, I hate the big government. You want to take the power away from the states? You don't want federalism to control our elections? It's absurd. If, If... which it seems like it was some of the practices like in Pennsylvania, for example, was unconstitutional. Then it is the duty of the people of Pennsylvania, if they're concerned to take it to the state of Pennsylvania and deal with it at a state level. Mm -hmm. And then in Arizona or Georgia or wherever it has occurred, or there is allegations that it has occurred, the legal path should be pursued in those states Mm -hmm. at a state level. The second you try to get the big government, the federal executive whatever into it or 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 fall to their feet like it's only going to lead to worse things Mm -hmm. well and the idea too that you'd abandon principle and that's what really really frustrates me and grosses me out about the congress people who are willing to sort of to push for for debating the electoral results or accepting them Mm -hmm. um it's such such a dangerous precedent and it would it would just ensure that 
every election when whoever's in charge loses, their party can just try to basically like usurp the state's rights. Mm -hmm. Which is what Mitch McConnell said. I like I don't like Mitch McConnell that much, fam, but God damn it. Like he was so right about no, like he was very right. We can't do this. This is not how we go forward from 2020. Right. Mm-hmm. And right. Oh, yeah. No, that was good. It says a lot about how how people are so um, we've become really detached from sort of the founding principles and the and the the mechanisms that were put in place to ensure we have free and fair elections and a democratic process. We're so removed from that that we just it seems like we just want instant gratification. Mm-hmm. And it's gotten to this point where by any freaking means necessary. Right. And it's, it's quite scary how unhinged people have become, including the leader of the free world. I mean, that's it's wild. Mm. Yeah, I think I think there there would be a precedent if things changed. Like I didn't I didn't have a ton of respect for Mike Pence before January 6th. But again, God damn it. Like, well done, man. Like he when they came back to the chamber and he offered his statements and said, like, nah, your violence doesn't get to win. Like, regardless of how loud you are mm-hmm. or how violent you are, like, we have a system built that we all just kind of have it, not kind of. Okay, so I'm reading uh, Jean Jacques Rousseau's The Social Contract right now, like, coming from the 1700s. This was a Swiss French mm-hmm. philosopher and political thinker. And we have all agreed that this is how things go. And. I just I admired so much the way Pence was like, I, I don't have recourse here. I can't do this. And if anything, had Pence gone and tried to unilaterally reject the Electoral College, the, the question immediately in my mind was like, this is not the first time a vice president has been asked to preside over re- finalizing the Electoral College votes that kicks him out of office. Like, if any, right. if anything, a more contentious <laughs> yeah. event was Al Gore having to do the same thing and essentially certify mm-hmm. that the Electoral College, like, gave <laughs> gave Bush more votes in 2000, even when right. the contest right. seemed to be a lot closer than this one was. But he it came down to several hundred votes. At, not well, and so and <laughs> here's a thousand. And here's what's interesting: like, is is recent history so far away that people can't remember that? contesting an election has occurred mm-hmm. every election cycle since at least 2001 mm-hmm. it's about how you handle it so like you have you have people that are like i can't believe that they would ever contest the election no like it, it is constitutionally okay to do that but then how do you what's the pursue that yeah and then to what end constitutionally sanctioned process for contesting yeah. it rather than which I think it's funny that the Republicans... It happened the last election. Right. Well, <laughs> that, the hypocrisy of that is mind-numbing. But I also think it's ironic and just stupid that the Republicans who insisted on contesting this, the, the electoral vote count, were mm. citing Barbara Boxer, Democrat Barbara Boxer, when she did that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like, really? Like, <laughs> there are a couple of pundits I follow who are like, when Republicans are taking their cue from Barbara Boxer, like, yeah. that's not a good sign. They should probably pause you and see, rethink what right. they're doing. Yeah, you see what you're doing, right? <laughs> well, and then, and then here's the thing. Like, last election cycle, you have Hillary Clinton being like, or not Hillary Clinton, but like the left being like, we 
hate the electoral college and like we need to abolish it and the majority wins and then the republicans are like no the electoral college is like badass which i think it is <laughs> but then this cycle it's like nah the electoral college is bullshit and blah 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 and i'm like you like this tells you nobody is really principled no one right? is principled unless you're politically homeless or libertarian and still right. think the electoral college should go away I prefer politically destitute. Let's start Thank like you. the, <laughs> yeah. Could we start like a, a homeless party, a, a destitute party? I mean, I mean, there's we'll something there. We'll come up with there. a better name. There's but. something there. I just, I, man, Torna, you've said in the past <clears throat> that you do not subscribe to two-party politics. No. Man, how do you say it? You're like. I mean, it's what we're working with. I'm, but. I'm neither of these, but I, I dislike the Democratic Party the most. Is that how you say it? Yes. Okay. Yes. I am. I am. Go ahead. Conservative in so many ways. Yeah. Generally, the values of the Republican Party in a lot of ways I prescribe to more than that of the Democratic Party. Okay. And one of my issues with the results of their policy. One of my issues is that it becomes policy. So like I personally, and I don't, I don't think I've ever told you guys this, but like I am like you but opposite i i am neither Mm -hmm. party but i like the republican party the least especially the way i don't know great growing up in the the very uh, conservative evangelical church i did like the way what i think is a beautiful way forward within christianity has been like co-opted by the political right like i find that more i don't know it's it's just i i would lean i probably lean more left but however when when I say that, I don't want it to sound like I am into the lefts. I just don't think a lot of the things we try to make policy belong in the world of policy, if that makes sense. Right. So totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. But, but my, Agreed fully. But my values probably skew me more mm-hmm. left than right, if that makes sense, it, which sure. makes me yeah. truly libertarian. Right. Or I don't know if you'd cl- call that totally classical does. liberal cat. Would you allow me to? <laughs> <laughs> use classical liberal I was there. thinking actually that you probably do fall more into the classical liberal camp classical so, yeah. liberal and then I, I've taken a few tests I've been referred to as a neoliberal oh the left hates you yeah well, definitely yeah <laughs> okay. so neoliberal or maybe my own terminology that what, what would be a good like like conservative liberalism I don't I don't know what you would call it right like, yeah because because like the Republican Party as it is perceived as whether true or not as like the evangelical like christian statism or whatever is not conservatism no it's not but what it's it 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 is what it is now because it was co-opted in 2016 and pandered to so well that it became the capital r republican party whether like if it wasn't official by 2016 it sure as hell feels official now that that's what it is and right so do you wait? So are you saying that that sort of the Republican Party dominating the Christian constituency started in 2016? No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. But when you when you come okay. out of 2016 and you find that like 86 percent of white evangelicals voted that way and are uh, are rather loud about voting that way, that that's what like more or less concretized it in my mind. But it was not. It was sure. not like it was a brand new thing. You also have to thing. think like 
Right. And who was he running against? Right. Like evangelical Christians voting for Hillary Clinton is right. pretty far fetched. Right. So that is part of probably what drove That's him fair. to they, Trump. The cards but, were definitely stacked. But yeah. In his favor. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Look, Hillary might be Satan. But Trump's not God. <laughs> oh, jeez, that's true. That is true. I know. Um, Good Lord. I know. Man. Someone pointed out, they're like, so it, it, it probably is true that that Hillary Clinton is the only person in the world Donald Trump couldn't <laughs> or could be in an election. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably accurate. That's, yes. Yeah. She's such a poor candidate. That, but. Fe- that feels pretty good to me. Um, I don't know how we got here from talking about the Capitol, but yeah, I w- I'm interested in coming back. I, I was going to ask, what do you guys think about, and maybe I'm getting too far ahead, maybe we want to save mm-hmm. this for a later episode, but... No, we can at least touch base now, and we can jump back and forth. We're building, I mean, we're building the table of yeah. contents, and, and then we'll revisit this episode yeah, there you go. and come back to <laughs> topics, yeah. right? There, there you go, yeah. Um, what do you guys think about the idea of trying to ensure legally that Trump cannot run for re-election? Uh, that I think it would establish bad precedent. I think constitutionally he has a right to run again. However, if how does that work? So I'm just saying like if they later on down the road or whatever, somehow legal action is taken against him and he's found guilty of a crime. What there's got to be some, Oh, if you're a felon, can you run for president? Is that, isn't that already a rule? Maybe I thought it was a rule. Yeah, probably that that, That is is a rule. Sure. Yeah. that would be the only case where I would say that it's okay. Like, I do not think if there is we not can't, like a legal. If there isn't something already established, I'm yes, sure right. that you can't then just be you like, no, nah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it would, you can't just run. Yeah. It would, it's a terrible idea a to write that... laws reacting to one person's bad behavior. That's uh, a great yes. point. We yeah, already yeah, have way true. too many laws. We cannot, yeah, we cannot do that true. in the, in the, it, I, that would be so dangerous for our mm. republic to just be like, fuck that last president. Let's make sure he can't right. do it. So, like, we start writing laws based on, we won't name him specifically, but we describe the type of person he was. And then it's like, well, are any of us fit to be right. president now? Like, right. that's not fair either. Right. And then and then mm-hmm. that just becomes a tool, like a political weapon, right? So, so if he yeah. is found guilty, no, I, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's the recourse there. If he's found guilty of a fel- felony charge somehow, which... I think you could probably, God, I, my definitions of, I have no knowledge of law, punishable or, crimes, or, but yes, like incitement so I, of I, violence. I will not make any <laughs> incitement of violence on is the a surface. Crime. I think that's probably pretty far fetched though. I think so. Like totally. But, but again, I'm not a legal scholar, so I right. can't really speak to it, but. Right. But, you know, again, like you, you I've listened to all of the things that they're claiming are incitements of violence and uh, they can be interpreted as as such. How do you prove it in a court of law when when someone's not saying, like, go do this specific violent thing? Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's confusion there. And I mean, again, you also have to consider like all the things that have been said, like in recent the last few months. And look, this is a conversation about (laughs) what Republicans did. But I have to point out the hypocrisy because I'm in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Cuomo just recently said on news like a couple months ago, like during one of his segments, he's like, who said that protests have to be peaceful? That was his brother. But oh, yeah. yes. Yeah, sorry. His brother. Cuomo. Yeah. Yikes. Cuomo, not, not the governor. Yes. But yeah. And you're like, can't that be interpreted as incitement of violence? Like, but it's not. 
Right, right. You know, right. so it's, you know. Again, sure. The violence over the summer was completely condoned by politicians and media thought leaders, for sure. So, yeah, right. it would be. That's a loose argument to make if we're going to weaponize that and try right. to prosecute people. So this with just it. all goes back to like making sure that a president, the president isn't changed for worse. To, to answer your original question, Kat, like if there are established constitutional ways of making sure uh, of preventing Trump from running in 24, that that's fine to call to those and uh, have that supported by the constitution in, in its own way. But, I think it would be a dramatic, like essentially if he decided to run again and the Republican party didn't even hold a primary, I've heard, I've heard rumblings of like the Republican party won't even hold a primary election in 2024 if he runs again, because they know he could probably win a second term Mm -hmm. in 24, you know? So like, Man, that should be something we definitely do. It's like <laughs> if we're we're gonna play the by the party rules. If we've already had primary general, primary general, like that's the that's the system we're in. Mm-hmm. Like if that's not allowed, then the Republican Party definitely just is just gonna fuck themselves over for being any form of respectable political uh, system. After that, going forward, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I I agree with. I agree with you guys that like precedent matters and we don't because we see we've just seen what happens as a direct result exactly of, of not exactly yeah you know my one sort of <clears throat> selfish unprincipled thought sure if I can share it nice. <laughs> is just that it's very insightful and self-aware of yourself yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that I think Trump is going to be a scourge on the Republican Party and conservatism and libertarians just because, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, we're a third party and we it's hard enough for us to get, you know, be taken seriously in an election. I, I, he's not going to go away. And no, if we, he we mentioned that just a few weeks legally ago, like, stops, he's not going anywhere. Yeah. And so there's a part of me that's like, man, that actually would be kind of nice if we found a legal way to make it impossible (laughs) for him to run, you know, like go start another like media company and like, again, whatever mm -hmm. and do that. I I totally agree with you. But again, if it was legal before January 20th of 2021, yeah, then like go with it, but don't pass a law just to ensure that one guy can't run again. Mm -hmm. That's a terrible, I mean, unless you amend once again, amend the Constitution. So we had the amendment, and I'm blanking on the number, but the, we had the amendment that basically was a reaction to FDR saying like, hey, you can't have four terms in a row, bro. We're going to make it two. We're going to uh-huh. make official yeah. what Washington set mm-hmm. as the precedent after his very first two terms, right? right. God, maybe I just like argued against myself there and maybe, yeah, just go and amend that amendment or just pass another amendment saying if you served one term and lost your second, then you can't be president again. Maybe that's fine. I don't know. I don't know if that's fine, though, but but it probably isn't. I mean, there could be an instance I mean, we have where... a reactionary amendment in the Constitution now that was reactionary, reactionary right. to FDR. 22nd. And that pulled off. It was oh. a 22nd amendment. OK, FYI. there you go. So okay. I Googled it. I didn't I didn't pull that out of my brilliance. <laughs> nice. I Googled so it. The, <laughs> man, I guess. So <laughs> my main argument was if it was legal before inauguration day of Joe Biden, then follow it. But I mean, people explicitly 
past that because they didn't like the FDR had four terms. Mm-hmm. I think term limits, though, is more of a that's a procedural procedural thing. True. Rather than we don't like this one person's personality and we just want yeah, to that's fair. destroy right. him. That's you're different. not you're not barring specifically one individual right. person. Right. Even though like because that then affects future mm-hmm. and, and you would be taking a legal like, you know, a constitutional route of voting and making an amendment and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And yeah. You need, you need super take. majorities. You need yeah, ratification by the states. And yeah. yeah. There's all sorts of stuff there <clears throat> that would not make it through. So because amendments are yeah. bad at being passed right now, it turns out it's hard to ratify those and it's designed to be that's, that's which I think it should be. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's it definitely yeah, should, should be. be. <laughs> that's my main thing. Like a good takeaway from January 6th, 6th is like, we had a system that despite like a like photos and videos of a really aggressive situation and like very sadly violent and very sadly just watching people react to what they think is like a blatant robbery of an election like the system held i think i mean two days later i can say that who knows what's gonna happen tomorrow but the system held like the electoral college the vote was passed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have a new president in 12 days. Like, albeit we have a unified House, Senate, and presidency, which I know the three of us do not want. But at the same time, it's kind of, I don't know, there's, there's a really, okay, so here's my, my selfish, unprincipled take on it is like, yeah, Republicans, you, got, you fucking got what you deserved. You lost everything in one term. Good job. If you like what you're hearing, the best way to tell us about it would be on Apple Podcasts or on Facebook.com slash WhiskeyBenchPod for Android users. There you can leave us a five-star rating and a one or two sentence review to help others find the show. Thank you to Reagan James for the use of our theme music, The Habit, off her album, Message. Find her work on Spotify and Apple Music. And it seems like just a few months ago, it was even I was like, oh yeah, it looks like they're pretty good to... Like, make some ground, and mm-hmm. I was like, you know, if they lose the election, because I wasn't sure at that point, I was like, if they lose the election, like, it'll be fine, because there'll be a split, and yada, 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 and, you know. And they had genuinely made some impressive uh, yeah. accomplishments yeah. in winning back seats, right, in mm-hmm. the House, in the totally. Senate, and, yeah, they really, uh, they squandered that. Totally. Mm-hmm. So, but, and we've talked about this in past, how sort of the progressive wing of the democrat party is it'll be interesting to see how sort of that wing and the i use air quotes moderate wing are like how they sort of uh how they accept each other or how Mm. they um kind of come to terms with each other or who basically leads who Mm. um and i think that that tension is actually healthy for that party. Um, and frankly, I think it should probably be broken up into multiple parties. Um, don't we all, and it's pain, it's painful to watch. And like, I kind of thought that the Republicans went through this when Trump emerged. Mm -hmm. And I think what's really happening now though, is now they're really going to have to go through the hard work of figuring out like what they stand for and and who they want to And either a solid rebrand of the Republican party, or it's just another party that's going to die and another one rises. Yeah. Like we have a history of that in our country as well. It's not like a 
yeah, let's hope it's not like a nationalist populist party because that's just that's what the that'll be a scary movement. That's, that's a little bit of what the Republican Party is, though, a little bit, right? That's what it feels like. Not they the populism was not a part of no. it at oh, all sure. for okay. decades. I missed the second word, that's and fair. that to me is the part that's more of a problem than right. I think nationalism is sort of made into a dirty word, but I, I don't think it actually means much other than sort of pride. Right? Nah, um, I would argue I would argue that that you're what you're describing is healthy patriotism. Nationalism is when patriotism goes extreme, in my opinion, in my estimation. I guess I, there's a distinction for me because in my mind, populism is sort of where maybe that that extreme patriotism takes on like a policy form and starts having really like poor consequences on trade and your economy and how things are and sort of how things are allocated. And mm-hmm. anyway, define so. define my struggling define for my struggling brain like what populism means like what's your definition of that in the context of like the economy it protectionism okay populism is translates results in protectionist trade policies um and sort of the idea that you're going to like you know protect an industry at home and we're not going to you know we're not going to ship our jobs off to X country and and right. which basically just makes consumer products more expensive. And you're in, saying that's in the United States. That's not which what the Republican Party did. That sounds exactly people. what Trump has been Lower saying class. for the last. No, I'm saying that th- I'm saying that's exactly what Trump has brought into the party prior to Trump. That was not a part of the Republican platform. Like the Reagan, the party of the Republican oh. Party of Reagan was not about that at totally. all. They were for free trade. Yeah, but but yeah. my point and Trump has that's go ahead. Go ahead. Well, so yeah. like. My point was, oh. though, like by your definition of populism and also what we establish, what I tried to establish is what nationalism is, is like, that's exactly it. That sounds exactly what like the modern 2021 Republican Party is. Under Trump. Yeah, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think they're going to get out from under Trump anytime <laughs> soon. And that's why I think like either the Republican Party needs a complete rebrand and they just need to like completely disavow themselves with Trump or the party's going to die and another one rises up. But when you say like, hopefully it's not one that replaces it with nationalism and populism. It's like, but that's just what left. You're thinking that might just be, I I guess I I should have said, I should have said, I hope that the Trumpian wing doesn't survive. And I hope that the other wing emerges and evolves. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Um, the other, legal thing that's being batted around already well first of all so like uh a couple chiefs of staff have resigned as of yesterday mm-hmm. i forget oh my gosh quite I a forget few. the names yeah. but they're doing it and uh to be perfectly honest like that also feels like signaling it's like oh look at you you fucking you jumped off the bus when it was going 10 miles an hour right before it parked like well done. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I too have <laughs> and cabinet secretaries too. I too have unbuckled yeah. my seatbelt on a plane just mere moments before we've come to a complete stop <laughs> on the taxiway. Like mm-hmm. what? Like, okay. 
good. Like you actually see what Trump is. You actually see the poison that he is. But it's like a cool symbolic action, but it's a lot way too late. In my opinion. And then second, the the 25th Amendment conversation is terrifying to me. Right. What do you think? What, why is it terrifying? Again, the fact that they want to the do fact that? They, they want to use the 12th or the 25th Amendment right now, like, and employ right. a clause of the 25th Amendment that has never been used before, that being unfit mm-hmm. for office. Again, the, the definition right. of that is very squishy, but we've never really had to iron out exactly what it is because it hasn't been invoked mm-hmm. on well, any president. Whole- and to use it now. And maybe this is what you guys were saying, like some some things are already being weaponized by the in, un, incoming administration as like a, you were right. saying like civil liberties are already under threat. And maybe this is one of them because like to use the 25th Amendment now 12 fucking days before he's scheduled to leave office anyway, it seems like all they're trying to do is establish a precedent for the 25th Amendment to be used in the future and have the the bar for quote unquote unfit for office a lot lower than what it should be. Yes. Yeah, and and just to be clear, the twenty fifth amendment has been used before. It has, but that clause. But are you saying just a specific that clause has not okay, explicitly that, been that, argued to remove a press a, a president from office? I see, yeah. you know, like when Reagan yeah. got shot, and when and when it's been used, yeah, exactly. It's been used in like certain circumstances, and often it's just been used for a period of time when they literally were in a mm-hmm. hospital and couldn't fulfill their exactly. duties. Right. And then when they came back, but they're trying, they they're trying to bypass so, the very real and the very legitimate impeachment process by invoking the 25th Amendment. Which, you know, what's interesting about that, the, the little I've read, um, it appears that the 25th Amendment route is actually more difficult than the impeachment. And route it should because be. The 25th yes. Amendment route requires a supermajority yep. in both houses of Congress, whereas impeachment only requires it in the senate interesting so so a lot of people who you know are not fans of trump have said like that actually going that route doesn't really make sense and as you said henning like the definition is squishy and it's mostly been used for like health reasons where Mm -hmm. you literally are like incapacitated right Whereas this is his character's flawed, but that's kind of a looser argument. Yes, to make. totally. So, yes, I would agree with that. I think that's terrifying. And what's funny is how many people I've seen just in the last few days just that I know are less politically literate than I am just being like, use the 25th Amendment right now, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, I don't know what the 25th Amendment does. The 25th Amendment so is not a it, loaded like, gun and, that and, was just handed to you. Like, exactly. <laughs> but people treat it, yes. people are treating it like yes. that. Like and Nancy Pelosi can just like zap him yeah. and it's done. And so That's I, not it, how it I was looking into it and I was like, <laughs> does this make sense? Like yada, yada, yada. And then you shared something the other day that was really useful. Mm. Nice little, uh, some information on the 25th yeah, Amendment. Yeah, that newsletter you shared like, on Instagram, Kat, nailed yeah. it with that. That was so good. Essentially, essentially news. It's good stuff. Check yeah. it out. So, you know, it's like you throw around these legal terms and amendments and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think most people know what this is. I didn't mm-hmm. like, really, I was like, I, 
what does this say? I had to look it up. And so all these people are like, use the 25th amendment. Yada, yada, yada. I'm like, I know you don't know what that means either. <laughs> right. But yeah. Frankly, like, <laughs> it's like how we all became yeah. epidemiologists as soon as there was a pandemic underway in March. We oh, all like, God. we all yes. know the definitions yeah. of all these highly technical things. <laughs> That's right. part of the problem of everyone having a soapbox mm-hmm. digitally, but yeah. whatever. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the only other thing I can think of as far as what ended up happening in the Capitol two days ago, which I think is an important piece of information, is there is some video float- floating around. I've seen it being taken down, and then I've seen it pop up again. It's There's video evidence that I've seen of uh, rioters breaking through police lines, and I've also seen footage of I guess they technically weren't rioters at that point, but soon to be rioters being let into the Capitol by mm-hmm. police. So both things happened. Um, like literally police officers opening the gates and opening doors and like walking rioters through the Capitol. I've seen it. I haven't seen any <sighs> news coverage on it. I've only seen it from independent journalists that are sharing videos. Mm. That is a very interesting development. The other thing that's really important to note is people are really upset and they're already turning it into a form of like race baiting and, and trying to increase racial tensions mm-hmm. being like, imagine what would happen if it was all black people. Like there was no police present, yada, yada, yada. Here's an important piece of information, which I do not think that they had mal intent in doing so. I think it was a PR stunt and basically bowing to the left ideology, and that is that D.C. Governor uh, Mariel, shortly before everything happened, made a call to make sure that there was unarmed and limited police force present. Really? Yes. I hadn't heard that tidbit. That's interesting. Very interesting. Because the Democrat establishment is furious that Mm -hmm. there was not more Mm -hmm. Of a police presence. So that's limited that's and unarmed police force. Huh. A call made by a Democratic, I guess it would be the mayor, no governor, mayor. The mayor of what? the city. Of the yeah. city. What's the- and like I said, I do not think that her intent was malice, but I think it was like they, our side has been calling for less police force, less presence. Maybe that'll rile up the crowd. I don't know. I do not know anything behind it, so I will not attribute any sort of motive, but. That is, I think, an important piece of context mm-hmm. that should shift people's anger at the amount of police that are present. Mm-hmm. Well, and and too, I, I had someone on my social media feed was re-sharing tweets um, of, of people saying, like, this is such a clear demonstration of white privilege that mm-hmm. they were even able to... to breach the security and get in there and and no one's been arrested and nothing's happened. And as we documented at the beginning of this episode, over 60 people or no, 80, 80 82 plus, now, yeah. right, have been arrested and one woman was shot fatally. And so there was, you know, when when shit hit the fan, there was a, a lethal response. And then they were saying that they just walked out, but like police literally like beat them out of the Capitol. Right. And, and, (laughs) and what frustrated me, my initial thoughts on that, when I 
first saw those people sort of that argument circulating, which it's been mm-hmm. it's been repeated by Biden and Kamala mm-hmm. to pronounce her name carefully. Yes. Kamala. Kamala. And I feel like you could have it's frustrating because we can cherry pick these little bits of information mm-hmm. and video evidence that we see. And, you know, there were plenty of sort of like right wing Trump supporters who were furious during the BLM Antifa riots when police were taking a knee right in respect mm-hmm. to the BLM mm-hmm. movement you know and so it's it's just it's funny to me that there's sort of like this these two different versions of reality where you know it's either trump supporters are not being arrested because they're white and cops are racist mm-hmm. right or and if it were BLM pr- protesters they'd be shot and arrested or BLM pr- protesters were allowed to loot and riot and burn down businesses with Im- impunity. And the truth is, a lot of them were arrested, but a released, lot of st- a arrested, lot of state released. attorney generals yep. did not prosecute mm-hmm. any of it. I mean, that's and that's well documented mm-hmm. with a lot of police departments being sort of outraged and furious over the fact that like n- tons of these people were not actually prosecuted. And like during the assault of the federal courthouse, like people are saying like that was about BLM. No, it wasn't. Like assaulting the federal courthouse was like against the government. That was it was just anarchy. A, it was yeah. just anarchy, right? Right. And they were shooting mortar shells and throwing Molotov cocktails at police. And right. like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's, it's right. There is nuance to be said. And all of the violence should be called out. Agreed completely. And it's frustrating that we live in such a hyper partisan mm-hmm. time that that it's. I mean, people literally we're all yeah. watching the same footage yeah. and the, these two different interpretations of both events. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's another really another another piece of context in D.C. Again, you have people that are furious. They're like, I can't believe that, like, people weren't being gassed and like shot with rubber bullets and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, in July, D.C. was trying to pass a ban on tear gas. And rubber bullets. <laughs> right. And then there was a limited right. supply of tear gas. And they, I don't think they had a budget for it anymore. All this stuff leading up to like <laughs> you people that are upset at this are trying to implement like a lack of non-lethal forms of crowd control. Mm-hmm. And then this happens. And then it's people you don't like. And so now you want that right. ability to yes. use lethal force. Yeah, it's. And I don't know how we overcome that. I don't. It's just you really, really need to dig into having these tough conversations. And like Henning just earlier, this is what's so beautiful about this, this kind of interaction, talking through things, working through tough subjects, saying things that maybe people won't like, saying things that maybe your friends won't like. Like you can either come to a conclusion that is the same as when you started, or as Henning said, like, oh, maybe I just actually like convince myself otherwise like you will find development in your view as well like you have to have these and you need to point out inconsistencies and that is how we find some sort of middle ground and some sort of reason and understanding cheers to that yeah yeah amen to that Mm -hmm. when talking with my friends who fall sort of on the other end of the political aisle than myself they see um the the protesting and 
even the riots over the summer as completely justified. Mm -hmm. And they, in their mind, they even said the women's march accomplished nothing. Peaceful Mm -hmm. protesting accomplishes nothing is what they think that's what's been demonstrated over Mm -hmm. the last decade. And, and so resorting to extreme measures of, of, sort of burning literally and figuratively the system down is warranted. Mm -hmm. And when asked sort of what's the difference between that and what we saw on Capitol Hill, their, their thinking is that, that there's a difference or a distinction between violence of upholding the status quo and violence of confronting it. Hmm. So in their mind, (sighs) the Trump supporters were upholding the status quo and the status quo is bad. Okay. And therefore, they should be stopped. Right. And the people who were burning down small businesses and beating bystanders and yada, yada, and, uh, you know, taking over police departments and federal buildings Uh, were... At at one point, uh, I don't even know, I can't say whether it was BLM or not, but during BLM demonstrations, they barricaded all the entries into a police station and lit it on fire, hoping that everyone inside would burn. They were shooting fireworks (laughs) into it. No, I mean, like truly like that's talk about intent. (laughs) Like, give me a break. Right. You know, anyway, but yeah, I mean, but, but in their mind that that is, and I am trying to be serious. I'm not trying to do some whataboutism and say, you know, like either is justified or one side's bad and one side's good. I I don't feel that way at all. I think resorting, I think mobs are fucking terrifying. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're, a part of one, you should pause and think about what nah. you're doing because you're actively participating yeah. in but, group think. But in the middle, <laughs> in the middle of it, you don't even realize it's happening. Like that's if if you look into the psychology of being in the middle of one of those, it's true. It's really easy to start. Something Absolutely, like that. yeah. I went to one protest once in my life, and I was as soon as everyone started chanting in unison, I was like, <laughs> "I believe in this, but I'm out. Like, like this I'm is out. gross. I yeah. don't like this at all." Right. But but anyway, but I think it's useful to try to get some insight into sort of that thinking because it's it's popular thinking Mm -hmm. and our president and vice president to be within the next two weeks Mm -hmm. seem to feel this way based on the statements they've made today about how. You know, this if this was a BLM protest, it would have been handled differently. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that implies that sort of. And they did sort of sanction what was happening over the summer and. They condemned rightly what happened on Capitol Hill mm-hmm. and I, Antifa is just an idea, according to Biden. You know, I mean, right. these are that's important stuff to think about. Mm-hmm. But the idea that that one's upholding and one's confronting the status quo and that the status quo is bad is sort of where a lot of people sit. And I think digging into what really is that status quo and what does that really mean mm-hmm. is important. Yeah, I want to close with something to just wrap up this evening. We're going to dive into this more. Bouncing off of that, the truth is that violence can sometimes lead to some sort of change, but it is forced compliance. And forced compliance is not the change of heart and mind. And violence will never change that. Mm-hmm. The only route to true change of mind and heart is through a peaceful route. So I think we should end with that. I want people to stay calm, read, be up to date. Don't get fired up. We have not like evolved enough to be able to comprehend the speed at which we are receiving information. 
So it takes some time to get all of the information compiled and make some sort of nuanced opinion or have some sort of nuanced understanding of the situation at hand. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited next week, maybe even the week after, to dive into some of these more nuanced views. I want to talk about some of the cultural things that have led to this, why I'm not particularly surprised that this ended up happening. I think social media needs to be a conversation, um, specifically in this context. Media, news media, is going to have to be something we discuss in the context of what just happened. And we will catch you all soon. Cheers, fam. Cheers to that. Cheers. Thank you for joining us on The Whiskey Bench. If you would do us a favor, please tell a friend about the show in person, with a text, or by sharing about it on social media. You can join us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest, all at Whiskey Bench Pod. And don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Remember, always drink responsibly. And cheers to a fulfilled life with all its beauty. Thank you.